0: Welcome to another episode of the Women in Oxford History podcast. I'm Bethany and I'm Alice and this month we'll be looking at the life of another woman who has contributed to Oxford History. So this month we're joined by Stella Christensen who's here to talk about the classical archaeologist Hilda Lorimer. Thank you for joining us. So could you maybe tell us a little bit about Hilda's early life?
1: Hilda Lorimer grew up near the city of Dundee in Scotland. Her father, the Reverend Robert Lorimer, was minister of the Free Church in Mainz and Strathmattine, and uh, he was also a scholar. A father who allowed his daughter to study Latin and Greek, the ancient languages, which were overwhelmingly associated with male authority at that time, gave way to a very empowering experience for, for young intelligent girls like Hilda Lorimer because it gave them the opportunity to overstep gender boundaries. The father was usually the figure who was the most intellectual influence on his daughter's education, but in Hilda Lorimer's case, it was actually the mother who provided the most enthusiastic encouragement. Isabella Lorimer came from a family that had lived and served for five generations in India, and she spent most of her childhood in Edinburgh, but also lived in cities such as Heidelberg and Rome. She was a strong woman who um, set high standards for herself and helped people living in tenements in Dundee to get hospital treatment. Her intellectual ability and her social concerns were taken up by her children. Did Hilda have lots of siblings? Yes, Hilda Lorimer was actually the second eldest of seven siblings and the eldest daughter. Like many other families of women classical scholars, her family had a shared interest in classics. So her brother, William Lorimer, would later become a scholar of Greek at the University of St. Andrews, um, translating the New Testament from Latin into Scots. And her sister, Florence Lorimer, would later study at Somerville when Hilda Lorimer was already teaching there. And in general, her siblings were all very independent thinkers and very ambitious. So two of her brothers became very successful Oriental scholars and spent most of their time in India, and her brother Robert Lorimer campaigned all his life against political topics such as the Vietnam War or nuclear weapons, and he was arrested for his political protests even in his early 18s. And what is noteworthy is that both of Hilda Lorimer's sisters pursued careers that were outside the norm for women at the time, so Emily Lorimer became a renowned poet, and Florence Lorimer Um, took jobs that were traditionally held by men, such as her job as buyer of foreign goods and oriental carpets with the John Lewis partnership.
0: So how was it that Hilda eventually ended up in Oxford?
1: Hilda Lorimer first studied ancient Greek and Latin in Dundee. She went to Dundee High School and University College Dundee, um, where she became a very skilled Latinist. And with 16, she studied Greek um, by studying the texts of Plato And she received an open scholarship to attend Girton in Cambridge in 1893. In Girton, Hilda Lorimer placed first in the old classical tripos. And she actually took the old exam where she was tested in her language skills only. And the fact that she passed this with uh, distinction shows that her language skills were extremely exceptional for a women's student at the time.
0: Of course, women at this time couldn't graduate from Cambridge, they weren't allowed. Did she ever get the degree later on?
1: Yes, she took it in 1948 at the first chance. So what did she do after leaving Cambridge? After leaving Cambridge, she applied for the post as classical tutor in Oxford, for which she received high recommendations by her teachers and professors from Cambridge. So and she was quite reliant on these recommendations.
0: That's one of the things that seems to be quite common for female scholars, especially at this time, is that their male peers completely control whether they get to have a position or not.
1: Yes, that's very much the case. And at the Somerville archive, you can read the letters she wrote to professors and teachers at Cambridge, asking them to write a recommendation for her. And um, they were all very kind in their replies and recommendations and spoke highly of her.
0: So what was it like to be a woman classicist, a scholar in Oxford at this time?
1: Hilda Lorimer's case is quite interesting for a women classical scholar at this time in Oxford because her work spanned two different spheres. On the one hand, she was based in Somerville, this all-female community, which uh, was a secure space within male Oxford, but it was also a very isolated one, which debarred her from access to other libraries and academic exchange with the leading researchers in her field. On the other hand, her interest in classical archaeology required her to venture into fieldwork and work with male colleagues on site, which were often very reluctant to welcome women. Both in archaeological fieldwork and in Oxford, however, there were different assumptions about women's capabilities that underpinned the debate and also the rejection of women in higher education such as um, women are too weak to undertake field work, or women's minds are too fragile to, to, to spend hours of study. So how did she get involved in excavation work? Girton seemed to support um, its students to undertake uh, archaeological fieldwork. Hilda Lorimer was actually the third Girtonian to go to the British School of Athens in 1901, but back then it was actually not allowed for women to undertake archaeological fieldwork so she just visited the school. Hilda Lorimer came back to the British School of Athens in 1911 where she was one of the first women to take part in an official school excavation of the British School of Athens. The event is marked by the hostile remarks of Richard Dawkins who was the director of the excavation. He stated that my own feeling is that women are out of place anywhere and that is the only thing I have against Miss Lamb and Miss Tennant, both of whom I like personally, but that Miss Lorimer is out of place anywhere.
0: And did this put her off fieldwork or did she continue on regardless of this hostility?
1: Hilda Lorimer did continue to do fieldwork and she returned many times working closely with male archaeologists on site and publishing with them together, but at that moment... It is very likely that this hostile remark was in fact directed against Hilda Lorimer precisely because of her expertise on pottery. So when Hilda Lorimer took part in the excavation, she already acquired a degree of expertise on, on pottery. Was that her academic interest? Or was she researching pottery? Hilda Lorimer became very interested in Homeric archaeology, so she was interested in pottery, in weapons, in in dress in Homer and also in architecture. Five years after the excavation, John Droop, who also took part in the excavation and was actually responsible for pottery at the excavation, published the book Archaeological Excavations. And this book actually contains an epilogue on women on site where he speaks about women interrupting the working culture of men and how women constitute a source of irritation and that women unless they are working along their husbands should not be allowed to take part in the excavation to not diminish the quality of work so his statement also really shows how sexism was excluding women who did not conform to what was the social norms at the time Hilda Lorimer remained unmarried all her life, and for a scholar like Hilda Lorimer, who was unmarried, taking part in um, excavations like this was really the essential training to become a classical archaeologist, since no degrees in this field were offered at that time. There seems to be quite a common factor with women
0: in this time that they had to choose between a family life and a, and a scholarly pursuits. And I suppose in some ways, this might have been a beneficial choice for them. They might have jumped at the opportunity to not have to go into marriage and motherhood. But in another way, you, you might imagine that for some women, this was an extremely difficult choice for them to have to sacrifice either the family life or the working life. And this is not something that men historically have ever had to do. They've been able to have both.
1: Yes, yes, Exactly. It very much seems like choosing not to marry was a deliberate choice women made at that time. Around the turn of the 20th century, 80% of women scholars remained unmarried. So choosing either between scholarship or family was a common choice because marriage life impacted the work of academic work of a woman differently than that of a man. And the years after finishing a college education were the years in which women's intellect was kind of flourishing and they could actually start their independent research. So that is why many women, I think, choose not to marry, although it must have been a difficult decision. So how did she find academic life at Oxford? I think it was uh, fairly difficult at the beginning because she she was this exceptional student coming from Girton and... All she ever wanted to do was to be a researcher, so shortly after she arrived in Oxford, she consulted Professor Henry Palham, who was a Roman historian about the possibility to re- to do research, and he basically told her that this was not necessary because all advanced teaching and research would be done by men. This incident is very representative of the overall situation. Um, for women classical scholars at the time, there were no official positions, they were not included in the research discussions at university, and they often received information and guidance from less experienced male scholars in their fields. Especially regarding classics, there was quite a masculine culture in Oxford and men feared that women getting into the field of classics, especially into the field of research, would interrupt this homosocial environment. In 1905 Hilda Lorimer actually asked for a lending library for the tutors because her situation was so isolated that she had no opportunity to further her knowledge on the topics and she wrote to Edward Sonnenschein who was a professor and the secretary of the Classical Association, describing her isolated position and saying that her knowledge is actually degrading since she came to Oxford. Because her teaching may improve, especially its mechanical accuracy, but her knowledge within the subject and her intellect was apt to wane under these circumstances
0: so clearly it was quite a hostile environment for, for women scholars at this time was there a way that they sort of worked together or were able to support each other
1: yes yes. Um, support among fellow classicists uh, especially among fellow female classicists was very important at the time and um, Hilda Lorimer didn't have that very much in Girton and in the early years of Somerville, but she developed friendships to other female classical scholars during her years in Oxford, such as Sylvia Benton, who later wrote in an arbitrary notice, that she benefited a lot from their classical discussions and Hilda Lorimer's wit. Beyond her work in academia, what other things was she involved with? Hilda Lorma was very active in college life, you could see her running around the garden doing jiu-jitsu with the students, going on cycling expeditions, and Vera Britton described Hilda Lorma as interested in everything. With the First World War coming up, it was clear to Hilda Lorma that she wanted to do more than just teach. She combined her scholarly duties with different types of war work, for example, when Belgian refugees were coming to Oxford, she was organizing a survival camp with the Oxford Women's Student Society for Women's Suffrage, where she was taking the lead. In April 1915, she took five months of leave of absence to work in Salonika as an orderly at the Scottish Women's Hospital. It was also because of that time and her expertise in Serbian affairs that the foreign office then asked her to work on a foreign office handbook and she published several books about the Balkans and Yugoslavia. So what do you think Hilda Lorimer's legacy is? I think uh, her most important legacy is her book Homer and the Monuments which was published in 1950 and it's this monumental book and the most systematic study of American archaeology since the 1880s and the first one to treat the Iron Age as seriously as the Bronze Age. What I really like about this work is that it really confronts the stereotype that women might excel at assembling details but they fail to grasp the bigger picture. Um, With this book she really compiled a standard reference for all students and researchers and historians to come. So everyone who would study Homeric archaeology even now has to look back at her work. What I find very impressive about the book as well is that it comprises decades of excavation work and that she put the texts of Homer topic by topic and piece by piece with her archaeological findings. I find Hilda Lorimer's life and work also really inspiring with regard to the fact that she faced so many challenges and gender barriers and that she never gave up and showed such persistence and determinations and that she relied on friends such as Gilbert Murray and mentors and um, her her community in Somerville to tackle those challenges. And reading about this, was to me very inspiring and empowering. I find it interesting to situate her within the um, history of women classical scholars in general um, because it illuminates um, how women classical scholars overall manage to overcome challenges and gender barriers. Doing that allows us to refute the stereotype that there were only exceptional women classical scholars in 19th and 20th century history, such as Jane Allen Harrison, who is then often only considered in relation to male-leading scholars. Um, so in order not to continue this male historical tradition, um, it is interesting to, to look at scholars such as Hilda Lorimer and yeah, contextualise them within yeah. other uh, women scholars. Stella, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me.
0: Thank you for listening to Women in Oxford's History. Join us again next month when we'll explore the life of another woman in Oxford's past,